Woody Allen once said, Money is better than poverty if only for financial reasons. If you're looking to up your game around money, go to bloomyourmoney.com and download our free ebook. Inside, there's wealth building habits, an exercise on finding your why, tips around cash flow planning and protecting your core capital. All available for free in our ebook at bloomyourmoney.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Thomas DeShooter Business Success Coaching. Are you ready to experience your business thriving? Or maybe you're already thriving and you want a better system for managing your cash flow. The truth is, you need to be set up to win. And winning is all about the process. Being certified cash flow specialist and profit first professionals, Thomas DeShooter Business Success Coaching will put you on track to win big. Check the show notes to book your free consultation or go to thomasdeshooter.com. Hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome. You know what? I am super pumped today. I just, I, man, woman, friend, colleague, listener, fellow human, fellow citizen. Yeah, like all of you, everybody, all of us. Today's recording with Dr. Lindsay Elmore was so satisfying for me. I can't wait to, uh, it's like, it's like I want to fast forward you to all of the good parts in one moment. Like just here they all are. And there's so many of them that I know you're going to love. You're going to, you're just going to soak up her genius shares on all of her areas of expertise. Uh, Dr. Lindsay Elmore is a pharmacist, natural wellness expert, vegan cook, yogi, podcast host, and business strategy coach. She is a speaker, author, world-renowned wellness expert. She translates complicated science into understandable stories and travels the world educating audiences about natural wellness. She has spoken to audiences on five continents and more than 35 countries. Her educational materials have been translated into more than 25 languages, and she has reached millions on social media. Her Facebook content reaches more than 85 countries and more than 15 million minutes of education have been watched on Facebook alone. She's the author of Essentials, 75 Answers to Common Questions about Essentials Oils, excuse me, about Essential Oils and Supplements. Ah, yeah, and I'll tell you, I think we we hit on almost all of that stuff in a beautiful, mindful, spiritually connected way, and it is a great pleasure for me to welcome to today's show, Dr. Lindsay Elmore. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Now... Uh, prior to this, we were just talking, you've, you've just finished a cleanse, but at the same time, I think, uh, and my, my wife does all the production for the show, Leslie, she's amazing. 
she shared, I, were you doing a consecutive days of podcasting as well? Or did you do that? In yes, the past? we are still in the midst of that 30 podcasts in 30 days. We, we don't know if we're going to get there, but we've still got another, another few days to knock it all out. We've got about a week or so, nine days or so left. And this is podcast number 19. And I think we have already five on the agenda for next week. And so who knows? We shot for 30. We may just make it to 25, but it's been an extraordinary experience getting to craft new skills as a podcast guest. And also just me being my own podcast host, learning from other hosts about their style. You know, how do they go about doing it? What was the guest experiences that made me feel really valued? And what were some things, what are some good behaviors that I want to mimic that I see in other people? Right. So, you know, what I, what I love about what you just said is that you're in it to learn and experience and see what you can take away uh, to, to help craft your own journey and your own message. And it sounds like just from, you know, your bio, the things I've read about you, it sounds like that is a really big piece of who you are. Where do you think that stems from? Like, where did, is that something you've cultivated on your own? Is it something that was part of your upbringing? What is it that drives that in you? Do you think? I, I think at some point in my early to mid twenties, I came to a point of realization that I had to be authentically, exactly, unapologetically who I am, or I was going to just go down a very, very unhealthy rabbit hole. And I have realized that I love learning new things. I love trying out new things. I love experiencing life in ways that I have not before. And so that has driven my desire to be a lifelong learner and be constantly gaining new understandings of the world and opening myself up to other people's perspectives too, mm -hmm. which allows me to be more compassionate, more empathetic, and more understanding of my common man. And that to me all goes into the bigger vision of what I really am about. And that's, I have to cast a vision for the world that I want to live in. And then if I have that vision and I know that it's possible to live, to leave the world better than I found it. Well, goodness, if I don't do that, like I'm wasting my life. I'm completely wasting my time that has been gifted to me. And why would I do that? Why would I do that? And so I think step one, if people are not doing the stuff that they want to see happen, step one is to realize that only you as your most authentic version of yourself can do it. If you don't do it, it does not get done in the universe. And that to me was simply a reality that I could not 
live with. And so I just explored and tried new things and dedicated myself to, to learning more and sharing it with others. Wow. What a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, and you, you know, you said some things there that, uh, that are dear to my heart, which is, you know, I've always, well, not always, but in the last five, seven years, one of my sayings has been, you are your most valuable asset. That the life we want to live comes from within. And, and you know, even with my own kids these days and their friends, what I see a lot of developing is that need for external uh, appreciation, that need for other people to approve of what you're doing. And, and I'll say like, I've struggled with that myself as, you know, as a human being growing up, you're looking for people to, you know, honor you in some way or respect you in some way or give you like the thumbs up. And yet what I've slowly learned over the last few years is how much more of that just comes from my own fire of wanting to see the world better than how I see it now. And how can I contribute yeah. to that? And yeah. So do you have things that you do that allow you to, to bring that force forward that keep you on track? Cause I'm sure you have days where you're knocked off the path where triggers come along and just take you right out of the game and you have to get yourself back into that state. What are some tools that you use to keep you moving forward? Well, I think First and foremost is the realization that success is not something that just happens. It doesn't just happen and it doesn't happen overnight. Success is one of those things that is built slowly over time that then allows us to create the greatness that we want, but greatness is not created in a big explosion. You know, greatness is created by the boring, mundane daily stuff that you are willing to stick to over the course of 15 years. Mm. So it's more about, okay, can I meditate and still my mind for seven minutes a day, but do that every single day without failure. You know, that keeps me engaged and driving myself forward. Um, social media is, is a precarious mistress, but I do have a large social media following where people are, they're relying on me to show up and give whether it is education or inspiration. And I feel like I would be inauthentic if I wasn't continually exploring how do I become a better person and, you know, share that with people. Mm -hmm. So meditation is a big thing for me. Yoga practice is a big, is a big thing. I routinely will take on a challenge, a, a, a 30 days of this, a hundred days of that. So those types of things are great because I, I feel like when you discipline your mind, you discipline your body. And when you discipline your body, you discipline your mind. And so for me, it's not necessarily about, okay, well, here's the things that I do all of the time, but I show up for myself because I'm blessed to have people that show up for me and always have. And I take that 
as a responsibility. You know, it doesn't just magically happen that you have half a million people on social media and employees that are relying on you. And I told my graphic designer yesterday, she was just like, oh, thank you so much for getting on this call with me so quickly. And I was like, Shelby, if I don't work, you can't work. And that is something I, I take with, with pride that I can show up and do work that inspires other people to work with me and around me. And that that allows us all to create a better, a better world for everyone. Mm. Yeah. You know, what you're talking about there is that as you let your light, as you let your light shine, you give permission for others to do the same. Yes. Right. You lead yes. by, you lead by actually being that, that you want to see. I'm curious, uh, the social media, you know, I love the way you phrase it, that you've, you've created an audience that is relying on you to show up in a certain way. And, you know, what I really heard is being of service, not only being of service to them, but being of service to all the people in your life that rely on you, et cetera. How do you think you, you know, was was there a mindset process of how I'm going to get people to rely on me? Or is, is there a thing that you did that had people say, I want, I, I love what she has to say. She shows up regularly. Like, is there something that somebody could model in a way or take pieces of and go, this is how I'll go about doing the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, social media is a, is a discipline. It's a, it's a practice. It's an art like anything else. Um, couple of things that are my like marching orders. If you want to do anything well, you show up, you add value to whatever the situation is without adding any drama. Show up, add value, no drama. That's a big piece of it. The other thing to keep in mind is there are three things you can do on social media. You can educate people, you can entertain them, or you can inspire them. If your post doesn't do one of those three things, don't do it. Don't do it. If you're bored by your own content, guess what? Other people are going to be bored too. You have to be genuinely inspired and you have to share your genuine inspiration. And then you have to not care what anyone else thinks about it. Because if you, you know, if you think about the book, Primal Branding, if you're going to have brand zealots, who love you, love your work. As soon as you say, Hey, I've got this new program, this new ebook, this new webinar, blah, they're there. If you're going to have those people, that means that you also have to have brand pagans, people who hate you, who do not stand for what you stand for. And you have to be okay with that. You know, this week, I feel like everybody around me has had a bit of a, a crazy week. And my, my business manager who does tackles all of our inbound emails, she texted me yesterday and she says, I just got the craziest email that we have ever gotten. And I was like, that is a really high bar. What on earth was in this email? Because I, I mean, I have gotten... I've gotten everything. I've gotten hate mail. I have gotten people telling me that I'm an idiot. You know, goodness knows 
the one day that I mentioned anything about cats on my social media, I got like 12 one-star reviews from all these cat owners that were like, you're wrong about what you're saying about cats. And I was like, okay. But here's the thing. The email that she got was someone telling me something that I don't want to see in the world. We did a podcast earlier this week about how to create justice, fairness, and equity across all races. Well, that's something I feel really passionate about. And that is something that I want to see happening in the world. If someone reaches out to me and sends me a wackadoo seven paragraph long email about how I need to be more white nationalistic, I ain't got no time for that. I have no care in the world to allow that to shift my brain. Mm. And so when you put yourself out there on social media or on a podcast or on your blog or wherever, you have to understand that not everybody's going to like you, but if you're trying to get everyone to like you, then I'm sorry, you're not being yourself. And that is, again, that is a, that is a truth I could not live with. I could not live not being myself. So you show up on my social media, it's me, and you're either going to like me or you're not. And that's okay. That is A-okay. Right. You don't, you're not attached. Took some work, but I am less attached now. Now, don't get me wrong. The first one-star review that you get is going to hurt. You know, when somebody gives your podcast a three-star review because they say that your audio quality is not even enough, you know, all those things sting. But long ago, one of my um, favorite people in the world said, listen, you have to have really thick skin and a very short-term memory. And if you can do those things, I think it helps you not only expand your influence on social media, but it certainly helps you as an entrepreneur. You know, when you make those costly mistakes or when one of your employees or contractors quits because you weren't treating them well enough, like have some thick skin but you have to move on. You cannot beat yourself up about it over the course of over the course of weeks to months to years, or you're just going to end up back working a nine to five on somebody else's vision, you know? So yeah. suffering, suffering, <laughs> suffering. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so go out there, be who you are, share it without apology. And understand that sometimes people are going to block you because of it and they're never yeah. going to spend a dime with you, but that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's great. I, and uh, I would normally at this point, I would normally share uh, some wisdom from my days of playing in a rock band, but my wife informed me that she's tired of hearing my wisdom from playing in a rock band. So, <laughs> so I will use a new one here. So I love ice hockey. Yeah. Goalies have to have a short-term memory. A goal goes in, the puck gets dropped. If they're still thinking about that goal, the next one goes in as well. They need to, up. Oh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how it went in. I got I to gotta recenter, refocus, get back in the game and stop the next one that comes along. And I can't do that if I'm caught up in the drama 
of what happened or what, you know, whatever transpired. And so I love, I love thinking of that. I, I, I thought you were going to take it a different direction that the goalie needs to have a short-term memory so that they block out the fact that there is a puck headed directly to their face at 150 miles per hour. And, you know, the discipline that professional athletes have, you know, my brother, my brother's been playing professional baseball for goodness. It's got to be about his 13th or 14th season now. And the, the discipline and the keen awareness that these athletes have about their surroundings is so inspiring. And I think that there's lessons to be learned, not only about just, okay, the puck went in, the goal was, was scored, but I have to get back into the game. Mm -hmm. But athletes are also masterful at routines. You know, you think about Michael Phelps, the same coach for years and years and years was with him through all of these meets. And the coach ran the practice every single day, basically the exact same way. Michael Phelps says one of his strongest memories was one day when his coach let him out of practice 15 minutes early so that he could go to a high school dance. He said it was the first time in his entire swimming career that his coach had done that for him. And so Michael Phelps tells the story of when he showed up at the Olympics, the days that he competed, he knew exactly what he was going to eat exactly what music he was going to listen to, in what order, exactly what time he was going to get up, exactly which swim, swim trunks he was going to wear, all the things, all the things. And so there's so many great lessons that could be learned from, from athletes. And yes. And so again, for the listeners, it's not about, it's not about saying, I'm going to change everything in my life all at once. Just change one thing at a time. You know, it can be so simple. Write down one thing that you're grateful for, for the next week. I mean, if you have a crappy relationship with your spouse, take notice of something that you're grateful for in them once a day. And on their next birthday, you say, Hey hon, for the past six months, for the past year, for the past, whatever, I've been writing this and make it specific, not about like, you know, I, I'm grateful he's a good father, but make it about something that happened that day. I'm so grateful that on this day, for no reason, he washed the car. You know, those kinds of things are life affirming and life transforming. And I think the more that we can affirm life within each other, the more that life grows and gives us that bigger light to shine. That's awesome. You know, the uh, gratitude piece, I love that. I love that piece about, uh, you know, repairing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you, you have the power within you to repair a relationship just by how you shift your thinking about it, your consciousness around it. And what I love about what you said is that one of my gratitude practices is to actually acknowledge one thing about myself that I love or appreciate so that I cultivate more self-love more self-care, more, uh, and 
what it's brought me to is that I have a better stand for what I'm going to tolerate in my life and what I'm not going to tolerate in my life because mm. I've built up my own self-worth, not, not on an ego level of like, Hey, I'm the greatest guy in the world of, uh, you know what? I'm worth more than that. And I won't, mm -hmm. you know, I don't need to have that in my life. And so therefore I will excuse myself from it with grace and ease. Right. But excuse myself from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I think is something that I'm going to take on over. So I I'm doing my hundred days of gratitude and uh, right now, and I'm on day 36 and a lot of the stuff I've noticed, uh, uh, you know, listening to you speak, a lot of this is external, you know, it's external stuff that I'm grateful for. It's, it's, home cooked meals and new friends. And, um, apparently I lost my journal 20 days ago and I said, I'm grateful I found this journal, but I'm going to take your advice. And for the next 10 days, so my next 10 entries are going to be something internal that I'm grateful for something either about my physical body, my mental body, or my spiritual body, because that's different, you know, mm -hmm. that's different than taking inventory of things that are external that you're grateful for. So thanks for inspiring me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, so, you know, here's what I, here's what I'll take that then, because I look at what you do in the world. I look at your resume and, you know, from what I can see, there's so much about what you've accomplished that you could be grateful for. Like, you know, a doctor, a pharmacist, the the people that you lead online, like those kind of things that you've done, you, they're they're great and honorable. They're they're noble things. They're noble pursuits in in my view. So tell me, because I don't know, what is the job of a pharmacist? I mean, I have it like if I need some drugs, I go to the pharmacy. I don't really take drugs ever. So I never go to the pharmacy unless it's to pick up something for somebody else. So I don't really know what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, pharmacists do so much more than the simple dispensing of medications. And we should do so much more because you, you look around and people think of doctors and of nurses but if you really truly want a medication expert, someone who knows the medications themselves inside and out and how they interact with one another and which ones interact with foods or deplete nutrients or all of these things, these are things that you can ask your pharmacist. So I was never a pharmacist behind the counter in a standard brick and mortar pharmacy. I always practiced hands-on and patient care pharmacy. And I take my oath as a pharmacist very, very, very seriously. And it was an honor to get to say the words of an oath of a pharmacist, because the first line is that I put the well-being of others and the relief of suffering as my primary mm. objectives in my career. Well, that is something that has morphed in how I approach that. You know, I, I typically am talking to people more so about 
meditation and clean eating and the importance of clean water and how to avoid toxins in their home. And, you know, how do we live a better life? Because the American medical model is completely broken and devastatingly jacked up, you know, as we have seen very markedly in this year. And it's been so disappointing watching the news where everything is just gloom and doom. Mm. And we I, I just hope and pray that we as a culture can shift our minds to understand that, okay, we're sick as a, as a population. And it's not just America, but America is a really great example of a chronically ill population. We're sick. Why are we sick? Because our food is terrible. Why is our food terrible? Because there are policies that govern the production of monoculturalization and a heavy reliance on corn and soy. Well, why is that? Because there are financial interests that push this. So we have a medical system that is bar none compared to nowhere else in the world if you are critically, critically ill. If you have a heart attack or a stroke, you don't want to be anywhere else except the United States of America. But they get, we, we as a society get less and less and less well when we continually craft a medical system that is built for the worst case scenario. And we also get sicker and sicker and sicker when we don't push back and say, no, I actually don't want that weird processed food with all those crazy ingredients that is addictive and raises my blood pressure. And then I have three medications to treat my high blood pressure. We need to get back to some basics. And it, it has been astonishing to watch the news this year because they're like, they're like, you know, d d groundbreaking physician uses vitamin C in critically ill infected patients. And it's like, y'all, that is not newsworthy. That is not newsworthy. At just yesterday, somebody sent me an article that was like, that was like, doctors are now beginning to believe that vitamin D deficiency may have a role in the increased risk of mortality from coronavirus. And it's like, yes, where have you been? It is, it is a known fact that our bodies cannot function appropriately if we don't have adequate vitamin and mineral stores and our body cannot function properly if we are exposed to chronic stress. We can't do it. And so we need to get back to basics and really think about vitamin and minerals and what are we getting out of our food? Is our soil healthy? And we need to be meditating and praying and exercising and sleeping well and cutting out toxic relationships from our life because that's the only way that we get healthy and it's the only way that we stay healthy is to 
rely on these things that unfortunately have become fringe when they have always been the norm. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting that I think you shared a post the other day, uh, something about that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something. It's not a fad. That's what I said. It's not, this is not a fad, you guys. You don't have fads that last thousands and thousands of years. You know, there's, there's a reason people have been meditating for 5,000 years. I remember when last year and as the year before when CBD was all the rage and it was everywhere. I'm like, you guys, people have been using hemp and marijuana for 5,000 years. This is nothing new. And so, yeah, it's not a fad is, is what my post was about. And it was actually um, another social media tip save all of your posts. Don't write your posts in Instagram or on Facebook. Write them in, I write mine in Apple Notes. You can write them in Microsoft Word. You could write them. But I had done that post like three years ago. And it was after I read a book about detoxification. And the author of the book is like, why is it crazy to think that detoxification is a valuable part of our lives. It's been around for thousands of years. And it's not just detoxifying our diet, but it's what Darren Hardy talks about, which is detoxifying your intake. So if you're surrounded by gossiping friends and stressful music and the constant drone of the news telling you how bad life is, guess what? You're eventually going to believe it and you don't have to. You can focus on your relationship with yourself. You can focus on your relationship with whatever your concept of spirit is, and you can focus on creating and crafting your highest and greatest version of you, or you can be tied down into the muck and arguing with people on Facebook all day long about things that you're never going to change their mind about. The choice is yours. We both have time to spend in our days. The choice is absolutely yours, how you spend it. Yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. Totally. No, I, I added to your uh, to your post. I added that uh, I reposted it, by the way, and I added oh, that I added uh, when is consciousness because there's right when is consciousness going to be considered a fad? I know, I know. Just like I want to be conscious about the way that I'm living. Well, yeah. <laughs> why is that? That should not be groundbreaking. You know, <laughs> it should not be one of those things about like I would like to actually be better tomorrow than I was yesterday. You know, I want to I want to be better in an hour than I am right now. Why? Yeah, it makes no sense, doesn't it? It makes no yeah. sense. So I have a question then. So, you know, I have my own thoughts about this, but I'd love for you to share because I see, you know, you do things like uh, gluten-free, vegan cleanses, things like this. So, so I really get your passion for being a stand in the world for something better for every person, not just a select few, but every person. You know, and I have this story that if you want to know what's really going on in anything, just follow the money. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. that's, all I, that's all you have to do in today's world is if you follow the money, you'll get to the truth of what's of why something is really being pushed or you know why we're being hit over the head with something. Yep. But how do we go about creating that change? How do we, you know, if you and I are talking like we are and we're thinking, you know, we're going to team up, what are we going to do? How do we start the process of getting more and more people into the same camp? Oh, you know, it is a life's work to say the least. It is, I, I think that we have to do it one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And the person that you start with is yourself. You know, that's the person that you have to start with. And if you can't change yourself, then you, you're not going to change anyone else. Um, I mean, you can change somebody in a negative direction, but that's not what we want to do. Um, one of the things that I have struggled with this year is surrender because as a pharmacist, as a scientist, there was, there was a lot of me taking a step back and going like, uh, yeah, I can follow this money game. I can see how this like global panic, um, has influenced the media. And, you know, the United States is one of only two industrialized nations in the entire world that allows direct to consumer advertising of pharmaceuticals, including vaccines. And it, Back in 1998, when pharmaceutical companies were first allowed to begin marketing on television, they spent $9 billion, and that was in 1998. I can only imagine what they are spending now. So I think the first thing that we can do is see through it. Just see through it. You know, I, I laugh so hard. Um, confession, I love the Food Network. I am a junkie. I love <laughs> the programming. I love the Food Network, but I have no qualms with admitting this is an endless cycle of me being marketed unhealthy food that not only makes me heavier in weight, which puts me at higher risk for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, but it also, when we consume diets that are extraordinarily high in sugars and caffeine and all these things, it also messes with our brain. Mm -hmm. It also changes the anatomy, not the anatomy, excuse me. It changes the microbiome within our gut and on our skin when we eat unhealthy foods. Well, when you're gut microbiome is not healthy, guess what? You're not pumping out as much serotonin and as much dopamine as you would like. And so you become mentally stressed um, and you become mentally ill. And I mean that in the kindest and most loving way possible. And your body becomes ill. So I see straight through it. You know, I understand that this is an endless loop of food that makes me sick, followed by pharmaceuticals, which are there to put a Band-Aid on things. And this year, I have realized that there are a lot of people who are not ready for the knowledge 
that health and wellness is in their own hands. And if you are someone who's been affected by um, the infection this year, if you know someone who's passed away, I am so sorry for that. And it hurts me that that happened. But when all of this first started, I realized um, through a lot of grief that there are so many people who haven't come to terms with their own mortality. And that fear of death became very urgent in a lot of people's minds. Well, I've, I'm a huge fan of the Sad Guru, who is, um, he's a mystic, he's a thinker. Um, and he, he did a meditation and I did it. You can get it for free on Insight Timer um, if you find the Sad Guru. And he said, how do you become happy? How do you become happy? And he said, the number one thing that you have to do to become happy is to come face to face with the fact that you will die one day. And if you can take a moment and realize that we have 2 million people a day that die globally, 2 million people a day, each of those people was someone's spouse, someone's child, someone's boss, someone's friend. And so of those 2 million people, let's just say each of those people had 10 people that it really impacted them when they passed away. So if I can wake up in the morning and say, whoa, I woke up and so did the 10 people who mean the most to me in this world, you're doing pretty good. And I think that when you come to terms with, I will die when my time is up. I will die when my time is up. And if that time gets cut short, okay, it gets cut short. That is something that allows me to wake up and be extraordinarily grateful for the gift of life that I get to go and have another day. I get to have yet another day. And so I, I think how do we shift that? How do we change that? is by being so full of joy and of light and of life that it becomes contagious to others. It becomes, it becomes infectious to others mm -hmm. and where they want to find out how do you live such a peaceful life? Well, I realize that none of this crap is in my hands. So I just <laughs> put my faith in God and I'm just going to go. And I, I mean, I think of the words of Marcus Aurelius, you cannot control the circumstances around you, but you can control your mental response to it so this is not to say that we should become callous and unfeeling. It's valid to cry and to hurt and to suffer at some points, but you can allow through those tears the acknowledgement of, I have lost someone or something, but I had this time with them. Mm. And I that to me has helped me a lot just craft that mental stability mm -hmm. and 
I think the more that we craft it, the more that other people want to know how to craft it. And I have surrendered into the fact, especially this year, that there are going to be some people that they just want to freak out no matter what. And they can, that's their choice. Yeah. And, and they don't have the tools maybe necessary to, to manage through it. Right. And, and so I, I hear you. I, I totally, have you read Michael Singer's book, the surrender experiment? No. Oh, oh well, <laughs> there you go. I need this in my life. It oh, sounds yes. like, Oh yeah. It's the, it's if you want to if you want to understand true surrender and being able to surrender michael singer the surrender experiment is great you know you talked about a lot of stuff there i want to kind of unpack some of it because uh first of all i almost want to end what you said with an amen thank you <laughs> Cause, thank you because you, you know you were you were preaching there in a, in a way and i mean that in a in a great light uh, thank you. and so a lot of what you said was resonating with me you know i uh i'm I'm be, you know, I'm looking at becoming ordained with unity. And one of the things that attracted me to unity was uh, Myrtle Fillmore. She's one of the co-founders. I don't know if you know Myrtle, if you know the story of Myrtle Fillmore. So, you know, 1890s, she has tuberculosis, 40 years of age, somewhere around there. Her, it's a death sentence, right? She, mm. At that point, you're going to die. It's just a question of, you know, how when? soon is it coming? And she had an epiphany one day where she realized that an earthworm only has the intelligence to create the earthworm. But she has a far greater intelligence that created all of this, this body, this mind, this spirit, this experience. And so if I had the ability to create that, I must have the ability to heal it. Yeah. And she yeah. began a journey of every day acknowledging all of her internal organs giving gratitude to all of her parts of her body and apologizing for ever thinking that they were sickly or unhealthy. I love that. She completely eradicated the illness and lived to her late eighties. And as a result, her husband, Charles was the same. As a result, people came to them back then and said, how did you do this? How did you heal yourself? Cause back then a doctor showed up with a black bag and a saw and some leeches and, you know, <laughs> if the leeches can't fix it, we're cutting it off, right? And you know, you know, I have dispensed leeches out of the pharmacy. One of the hospitals I worked in, leech duty was the pharmacist's job. So doctors still show up with leeches sometimes. <laughs> they do. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so as a result, Unity was founded as a healing practice and prayer practice, not as a church. It just that it kept growing and people kept resonating with the idea that you had the capacity to actually change your surroundings through your state of mind. And, and one of our principles, principle number three is our, our thoughts create our experience, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, and that's what you were just, you know, what you just said to me was so much of that. And I thank you for sharing that. Of course, you know, my friend, Pam, also says this very well. So as a part of her daily meditations, one of the things that she says is every cell in my body is happy, healthy, and functioning exactly as it was designed to function. And there are times when I don't feel my best or there are times we all have days, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so if you can continually remind yourself, every cell in my body is happy, healthy and functioning exactly as it was designed to function, that 
is an amazing transformative shift. And I, I do believe that the body wants to heal itself. The body longs to be well. If we were supposed to be taking three, four, five, six, 10, the highest I ever saw in a patient was 63 medicines a day. If we were designed to do that, we would have all been doing that since the dawn of time. But that is not the way that we are supposed to live. We have a better opportunity to shift our mindset back to basics. Is the soil that you're getting your food out of healthy? Are there earthworms in that in that soil that are you know are you eating with gratitude or are you fighting with your spouse over the dinner table all of these things matter and i love that idea i think i'm going to do that for my meditation tomorrow just scan all my internal organs it's like a it, that'd be a challenge you know that's like a long process if you're starting to think like okay now i'm acknowledging my lymph nodes and the connective tissue that surrounds my knees all of those things and just saying i'm so grateful for you uh, thyroid you yeah. know when is and the I, last time that we've said anything close to that and i apologize for ever thinking you know like the times that when i when i've done this for myself i think back to the times you know i was a musician i played ice hockey i suffered with a bad back and i would say that oh my back is terrible my back is feels off and you know constantly reinforcing this within my own mind that that yes and and, and telling my back like you're you're junk man and yep. so to, to then repair that and, and apologize to my back, which kind of, I get it. It sounds corny. However, yeah. it's, a, it's a process of retraining your state of mind mm -hmm. and, and allowing yourself to experience yourself fully and wholly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my, my partner is a, a runner and a hiker and he was at the gym on a treadmill and someone came over and said hey i'm a running coach i've seen you in here a lot do you want to work with me and you know he was wanting to become a better runner so he was like absolutely i'd love to the first thing this running coach had him do was he was wearing an ankle brace and he said, you got to take off that ankle brace. And he said, well, you know, this ankle's kind of weak. It's this, it's that. And he's like, yes, as long as you keep saying that, it is. The words that you speak are true. Um, and, you know, I think that we, the sad guru also mentions that he says, everybody wants to talk about habit, how you got to craft habits. And he says, forget habits. The problem with habits is that they are unconscious. He says, no, craft consciousness and intention with mm -hmm. what you are doing so that even the act of brushing your teeth becomes a process of gratitude. It becomes a moment where even though it seems like a mundane activity, you want to envision your life without those teeth for a few minutes. Um, another author that I love, Janine Roth, she tells the story of being at a meditation retreat and the meditation teacher goes up to the front of the room and he says, okay, everybody today, 
I'd like to know how many of you have a toothache and everybody kind of looks around and they're like, yeah, toothache, and they're like, they're like, none of us have toothaches. And he says, good, let's just meditate on that. Let's just meditate on that. When is the last time you gave gratitude that you don't have a toothache? I mean, come on, you guys, if your tooth hurts, it, there is nothing else you can focus on. It's like having a blister that is bleeding while you were in the middle of Disney World. It is the only thing you can think on. So why don't you just sit down and give gratitude for the fact that you don't have any blisters on your feet and that you don't have a toothache today and allow the process of brushing your teeth to become an exercise in gratitude and reflection and allow that to go through every single area of your life and of your consciousness and of your awareness. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so beautiful. And I love it because people, you know, I've heard this from many people and I was here too, is that I can't meditate. And yet if you just actually brushed your teeth with the consciousness and the intention and mindfulness around brushing your teeth in that moment, you're, you're meditating. You, yeah. You're actually being conscious of your thoughts. You are, you are now the master of what you are doing as opposed to trying to get through the brushing of your teeth so you can get to the next thing. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's one of the things that I love most about podcasting is that you actually sit down and have like a real conversation with someone that lasts longer than a, a typical conversation with someone who you've never met. I mean, if you and I happened upon each other in a coffee shop, there's no way that we would have just clicked and gotten into deep, meaningful, hour-long conversation about some pretty profound stuff. And I think that too often people get into that mindset of, well, I know I need to exercise, but if I can't exercise for an hour and a half every single day, is it even worth trying? How about you stand up and do 10 jumping jacks after you've been sitting at your desk for an hour and a half? Don't make health and wellness and spirituality and exercise and eating, don't make it complicated. Just mm -hmm. find the joy that can come from mindfully eating a meal that was lovingly prepared. I mean, bonus, somebody might have even put it on a plate and sat it down in front of you. If you can't acknowledge that and be grateful for just that small thing, that kindness that happened in your life, then finding the gratitude in the big stuff is not easy either. The more that we craft small amounts of gratitude throughout our life, the easier it becomes to take a step back and be still grateful for your pain in the rear teenager who is pushing all your buttons today. But can you imagine your life if they hadn't woken up this morning? Like, whoo, gratitude right there. You know, it puts it all into perspective. It puts it all yeah. into perspective. Yeah. Thank you. And as uh, I'm going to, I'm going to move towards wrapping things up with you. And this conversation has been so amazing. So, so thank you. Uh, I am curious though, uh, because of all of the stuff we've talked about, I would love to know how much 
how much has this mindset and you know one of the things that you you know you're a female owned company you are you know rocking the world as that and not that i think that that's like amazing in terms of of course you should be like you're you're just as creative a genius as anybody else on there but in Thank our you. world it's seen like oh we should you know highlight this as like it's some sort of a major accomplishment of course you can do this stuff how much of your mindset has allowed you to keep pushing through that do you think well you know i think it's one of those things where I know that I have a strong voice and I know that I can use that voice for good. So if that means bringing to the forefront female entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship of, you know, people of color, like how do I lend my influence to causes that I feel passionate about that can actually help to transform people's lives. And so I don't know, I don't think about it much. I just push forward and do the absolute best that I can at whatever I put my mind to. And I also recognize I, somebody was telling me about a, a podcast the other day called The Accidental Entrepreneur. And I just thought, yeah, that's what we all kind of are. You know, <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing when they start their company. It's all it's made like, up. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but, and so that has led me to make mistakes. And, but it's also led me to have this family of brands that I am at the helm of that I love. And, I don't mind if people don't quite get it. Like, wait, you're a pharmacist, but you're going to teach me about meditation and yoga and stress reduction as like the key part of my health. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm also going to teach you how to cook and how to practice yoga. And by the way, if you too are an entrepreneur, I offer business coaching and I've helped transform tons of companies by helping them create greater clarity in their messaging. I can do all of those things. And I think we as human beings all have this powerful capacity to be great partners in romantic relationships and great owners and inhabitants of our own bodies, great spiritual beings. We all have it in us. It's just, you got to turn off the TV and you have to cut out the toxic stuff and make time for what really matters. You know, it's that, it's that old adage, you know, of put the, put the sand in first, because if you constantly are putting, if you got the Mason jar and you're constantly putting, you know, the one inch size balls in there, it takes up so much space, you know? So focus on the things that are important, but not urgent in both your business, as well as in your personal relationships, as well as in your relationship to yourself, because things that are important, but not urgent are the things that will help you transform over time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well said. Um, I did a sermon a few 
months ago on uh, the title was life wants more life mm. and love is everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Lindsay Elmore, where we're, you can, we can find you at Lindsay Elmore on Instagram and on Facebook, the same name. Yes. And lindsayelmore.com online. Great. And we'll have all of this in the show notes for people to find you. And uh, I'm going to check out your podcast. Thank you. Yeah. And if your listeners want to join me on a 100 days of gratitude, we have, if you head to lindsayelmore.com slash gratitude, there is a really beautiful journal that you can use just to get one sentence of gratitude into your daily life. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Bloom Living Podcast. It's been an absolute treat. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate your time and the the trust that goes in inviting someone onto your podcast. Thank you. Have an amazing day.